with last minute changes of plan. Welcome to Hand of Pod. episode 471 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined this week by Andres. Hello, welcome. Chris. Hey, how's it going? Welcome back, Chris. Thanks. And English Dan. Hello. Gone around the table in clockwise order from where I'm sitting. Um, oh, that's, that's a great start. <laughs> Timing on that is brilliant. Fucking spam codes, I guess. Phone's on mute, please, gentlemen. Yes. <laughs> I always have it on mute. I have no idea how it... Now double-check mine. Out. You're, you're the least practised at this, Chris, so yeah, it's, uh, it's kind, of, kind of down to provide a demonstration. No, I like that. I, I couldn't happened. have been timed any better as well. <laughs> um, Excellent. So, as I said at the beginning of the theme music, we are changing our plans on an ongoing basis here on Handapod. The plan originally this evening was to meet and just pre-record a whole bunch of Handapod extras... Um, that will be going online while I'm away because, as I mentioned on the last episode, which was recorded and released two weeks, two weeks ago, um, I'm going away at the end of next week now. Uh, and we want to make sure that our lovely Patreon supporters have stuff online. This, as you will have noticed because you're listening to it on the main feed, and I said it was episode 471, is a main episode of Hand of Pod. But as you'll also have noticed, it's going to be a short one. Um, that's because we've just got a little bit of admin to tidy up, or rather we thought we just had a little bit of admin to tidy up before what was then going to be next week's recording, which was going to be a preview of the Copa de la Liga group stage. Because, SofaScore told me, as I think I mentioned at the tail end of last uh, two weeks ago episode as well, that the Copa de la Liga group stage was going to be kicking off on the weekend that I flew away, i.e. in a week and a couple of days' time. But the Copa de la Liga group stage has just kicked off. <laughs> Uh, Bill Granovers de Estudiantes is 10 minutes in and is currently nil-nil. We're going to be pretending that that's not happened. Next week we'll review this first stage and then we'll kind of preview the rest of the group stage. Or you could pretend that the, the ones who are playing are Belgrano against Poland, eh, Uruguay against Poland, because yes. their t-shirts are... I love that it's like Argentinian football is complicated enough and now it's getting even more complicated with all these... Pre-records, yes, reviews, reviews. This, this right <laughs> what now day is, is today? I don't even know. This, this particular one is a normal recording. It's going to be released at the normal time. <laughs> but all we're going to do this week to get it out of the way so we don't have to do it next week is mention the little bit of admin that I just mentioned, explain what's going on, and now review the second legs of last week's, sorry, last week's second legs of the Copa Libertadores round of 16 mm-hmm. uh, and preview... The first legs, and I guess the second legs as well, really just preview the quarterfinals, basically, of the Copa Libertadores. Uh, now that we know which teams are involved, I'm going to go through the Argentine results. I think all of them, Argentine or otherwise, were nailed by this, aside from possibly one. Very good, good cropper, yeah. last 16 games. Yeah. Um, so, let's, 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 let's go through all the results, actually, shall we? So, Fluminense beat Argentinos Juniors 2 0 in the Maracana. 
the first leg of that, of course, had finished 1-1 in La Paternal, and as a result, Argentinos were out. I think that's the one that Dan's referring to when he says it wasn't really a nail-biter. Uh, although Argentinos did make Flu hang on for a good while. Uh, Flu were for the eight, well six minutes, top. yeah. Was the first leg the one with the Marcello tackle as well? Yes. Marcello yes. and that horrible. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And um, the last one had a classic Libertadores brawl towards the end. Mm. I mean, Fluminense just started yeah, time wasting that one's business. In which Santiago Montiel got sent off. Um, but yeah, really, as we say, they had to wait a very long time for the first goal, but it was all Fluminense pretty much all the time in that match. Um, Atletico Bernainse beat Bolívar 2-0. That was following a 3-1 win for Bolívar in the first leg, and therefore it went to penalties. And the Bolivians went through 5-4 in the shootout. Internacional beat River 2-1 and you will surely remember that in the first leg River had beaten Internacional 2-1 and we kind of mentioned a couple of weeks ago that River probably should have won by more than one goal and as it turns out they're regretting the fact that they didn't because they've gone out on penalties 9-8 in the shootout. Uh, the curious one in the middle uh, that uh, I don't remember yeah. Solari mm. well I'm sorry uh, any shootout in which a player hits the ball twice. Um, I remember... I'm still not sure he did. I mean, we'll, we'll move on to well, the yes. in a minute. We'll <laughs> read the scores. But I, I, I was watching the replays. I was still like, definitely? Really? Anyway. Independiente del Valle and Deportivo Pereira drew 1-1. Pereira have won the first leg 1-0 and therefore go through 2-1 on aggregate. And that was with a last minute, or very close to last minute, missed penalty from... American Argentine Michael Oshos. Oh, wow, I missed that. American uh, Argentine goalkeeper. No, Lucas Oshos is the goalkeeper, yes. isn't he? Yes. Oh, this was the ex Estudiantes yes. prospect who yeah, had yeah. a really bad car accident, has come back very well for Independiente de Vashi, opened the scoring, and then tried kind of a start step Paninka 87 minutes into the game with his team trailing by one goal and missed it quite embarrassingly. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't great. Um, Boca and Nacional followed up their nil-nil draw in Montevideo with a 2-2 draw in the Bombonera, uh, which ended with Boca winning 4-2 in the penalty shootout. Two very poorly taken penalties from Nacional were the ones that they failed to score from, I must say. Uh, Palmeiras and Atletico Mineiro drew nil-nil. Palmeiras have won the first leg 1-0, so they're through. Racing. Remember what we said two weeks ago? It was over. It was an uphill struggle, but at least, as we were trying to point out to Dan so he didn't want to kill himself, (laughs) at least 4-2 was a better result than 3-0 would have been. Yes. And it very much did prove to be that because it turned out that that ridiculous late stoppage time, even if they did concede even later in the first leg, turned out to be enough to get them through along with a 3-0 win in the second leg. So Racing went through 5-4 on aggregate ahead of Atletico Nacional. And in the remaining match, Olimpia, who had lost 1-0 in Rio de Janeiro in the first leg, uh, beat Flamengo 3-1. They came from 1-0 down as well very early on uh, to book their spot in the quarterfinals. So the Libertadores quarterfinals are Bolívar versus Internacional. Deportivo Pereira versus Palmeiras, Boca versus Racing, and Fluminense versus Olimpia. Uh, one tie, of course, stands out to all of us there. It's the All Argentine tie, and we'll talk about it in a couple of minutes. But first of all, as I said, let's review 
the matches that actually featured Argentine teams in a little bit more detail than we've just did. Uh, so, first of all, Fluminense versus Argentinos. Before we go on, can I just put out one more thing from Independiente del Valle's game? As we are all lovers of pointless trivia. Go on. This might have been the game with the widest age differential between two teammates. Because Independiente del Valle started by 41-year-old Cristian Becherano mm-hmm. um, and 16-year-old Ooh. Ray Baez. Oh, wow. 25 <laughs> years between them. That might have to go in the trivia group if you remind me in between recordings, don't I will do my best. I mean, or you could listen to this when you edit. Yeah, I'll remember, remember that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how I roll. Fair enough. Fair enough. We're going to have like seven files to... Not <laughs> even the editor listens to our podcast. I think that says a lot. I'm listening to it now. True, just true. Can't promise Can I just say about the Libertadores results, it was quite nice to see so many Brazilian teams go out oh, for a change. Mm. I know a few of them are against each other, but... I'm sure you know, people in the rest of the continent are saying the same thing about seeing half the Argentine teams go out. Yeah, but I just... Th- I mean... But when was is. the last time the kind of quarterfinals had so many different teams from different countries? Yeah. You must, you must be going back quite a few years. Yeah, Four different countries represented, yeah. Bolivia, Colombia, Paraguay, Paraguay, and of course Argentina and Brazil with... Uh, oh, Brazil so five, got, yeah. Brazil so have three, haven't they? Uh, yeah. Fluminense, Palmeiras and Internacional, and Argentina, I, I think guaranteed one semi-finalist for Argentina, I guess that's the, <clears> the plus side, right? Um, anyway, Flamengo versus... No, not sorry, Fluminense versus... Argentinos, as you said, there was that tremendous brawl at the end, or shouting match, mm. I don't know really how many fists were thrown or anything, uh, which was sparked by the celebrations for um, Fluminense's second goal, scored by the wonderfully named John Kennedy. <laughs> great man, uh, great man. But I also would like to point out that the first goal had been scored by the same man who scored their goal in the first leg, the best named member, the best first named member of Fluminense's side, Samuel, uh, yeah. <laughs> Samuel Xavier, who, if I remember rightly, in the first leg was playing at right back. And in fact, was playing at right back in the second leg as well. So, yes. two goals in as many matches from right back is Fun. good stuff, Sam. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> uh, well, Brazilian players playing. Shooting the ball right. Yes, of course. I mean, when you're a Brazilian fullback, it is cheating a bit, isn't it? But, yes. Okay. Uh, what did we make of it, though, gents, if we can remember very much of it? Just very lucky from Argentina, so I thought, um, from what I saw of it, you know, gave Fluminense a, a really good game of it the whole way through after being a little bit unlucky, I think, to, to only get a draw from that first match. Uh, and then just had their hearts broken at the end. I think they were already... Looking forward to uh, to penalties, which is about as much as you can hope for, I think, against such a good team away from home. Uh, and then, yeah, Xavier coming in three minutes from time, that just unraveled the whole thing. The first brawl, I think, happened after that goal because Fluminense just showed no inclination of wanting to play the rest of the game once they'd gone ahead. Yeah. Uh, and then even less so when JFK came through to... Um, <laughs> to put the game out of reach. Uh, as you mentioned, Montiel got, got sent off in the melee and I think that game went to about 110 minutes in the end before they finally managed to play all of the, um, the added time. But still, above and beyond for Argentina, brilliant campaign for them. Um, they knocked out Corinthians, right? In the, um, in the group stage one. Yep. They finished first in the group from which Corinthians didn't advance from. Um, 
yeah, brilliant stuff. And I think you look at the team, Federico Redondo really come through. Um, Ana Rodriguez, uh, a few of these other guys, very young team, very exciting team. And I think they're going to go far. And I've just noticed they have a, they had a non-playing substitute, Roman Riquelme, oh, defender. It's a team of funny names. But it, it, with John F. Kennedy at JFK, do we know if his uh, middle initial is? I checked is... that just after Dad said it. <laughs> I was thinking, is All it? All sofa score has for him is John Kennedy. Uh, um, not Federico. Yeah, Argentina's big problem was that they only, uh, the, the shooting wasn't great. I mean, well, the final ball wasn't great. They only managed mm. one shot inside the box. Um, and so they ended up kind of just taking pot shots and off target, yeah. easily blocked, comfortable save. Uh, but yeah, as you said, they gave it a good go. Um, it's like they had it controlled until the end. Like they have, it happened similarly to, to the first leg, in which they could have even be two two nil. Mm. Santa, uh, I mean, Avalos had the, a beautiful goal, and then the chance to to score the second one, he couldn't. And after that, it, it was like in the first last minutes of the game, Argentinos everything that they they had built. Uh, uh, went down and uh, in the second leg it was quite similar yeah um, also giving it a good go but ultimately coming up short were River Andres who lost 2-1 in Porto Alegre Chacho Kovet has finally, finally beaten his curse against Amazing. the club he used Absolutely. to play for um, Armani was no, no, no more nightmare for him yeah and speaking of clubs they used to play for Gabriel Mercado scored the first yes. goal and the penalty uh, 1-0 and Alan Patrick the second River great header for, for a man with no neck yes yeah yeah um, River got one through well, it was a far post finish from a corner was it a header no he kicked it in didn't he yes it was like he, he stumbled and, and hit the hole and yeah. goes in uh, through, through Robert Rojas was that like the last kick in 90 minutes? Very close to the last yeah. game. Yeah. And the last match he played for River because now he's gone. That is strange for him. Mm. How quick yeah, things can change. Having gone out and having spent money on players to bring them in for a, a putative Libertadores campaign, they've got to inevitably let some people go who might otherwise have been hanging around for the, the end of the year and the final if they'd gone all the way. Um, in the shootout, there were, I, I seem to remember, there were two slightly weird moments. Oh yeah, of course. So we've mentioned already the penalty that uh, Pablo Solari had ruled out. And as I said earlier, after showing the replays that they were looking at on the VAR, I still can't really... I'm yeah, not sure how they could be conclusive that he kicked it twice. He, he did a, I'm sure everybody's seen the... Or it, a lot of viewers would have seen the old video of the Martin Palermo penalty where he slips over, boots it with what was meant to be a standing leg and, it, and then kicks it with the leg he was actually <laughs> swinging at. Um, and that was what the VAR and the referee ultimately decided but, Solari had done, because he, he did slip, obviously. Mm. But the, the Martin Palermo's penalty was allowed because he was, had, of course, you never had the intention to play, to yeah. hit with try, the two legs. Mm. And in this case, I think it was the same. I, I, I don't... It was, yeah, marginal. Yeah, if, if, yeah, if it best. did, if he did, then obviously it, it should have been disallowed. But I just, looking at the replays, I was like, I'm not, I don't understand how they can be that conclusive mm. about it. Um, and that would have meant for River to to go through because uh, the following penalty, of course, when the penalty already disallowed, the following penalty from International was a little missed. bit counterfactual there to be to be yeah, fair, yeah. but yeah, but was missed and that let River continue with the shootout and what well, yeah. 
Yeah, and then there was a change of... Of the side, of the, of the goal. Yeah. No, just Sofa scores got the penalties in completely the wrong sequence uh, here, in fact. But there, there was a change of, of end, I think partly because of that slip, but also the slip happened because of the fact that the penalty mm. area was just a complete mess. No, the penalty spot was destroyed, and they still took, I'm like, two sure other penalties there. Yeah, I'm not sure why the referee didn't just say from the very start of the shootout, well, let's do it in the goal where you can actually stand up straight no and idea. slip over. No idea. Uh, it seemed really weird. But it's the first time I've ever seen a penalty shootout change ends yeah. for any reason that I can think of. Um, and Robert Rojas, who had been striding up to take the penalty at the original end, then had to go through his whole pre-taking process again <laughs> and skied it, didn't he? The, put over the crossbar. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, none of the penalties were saved. None of the... No. 20? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Finished, let's see. Finished 9 8, and there were 19. Three, three missed. Oh, three yes. missed. So, the maths work out. Um, and Sergio Rochette, the Inter goalkeeper, the Uruguayan Inter goalkeeper. Who just moved from Nacional for that game, basically. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, they got full value for money because he mm-hmm. scored the winning goal to put Inter through. But the ones that we want to spend time on, of course, are the Argentine clubs who won. And, uh, well, we're going to spend time on another Argentine club who drew, first of all, uh, because Boca scored early on through Miguel Merentiel, were pegged back by Alfonso Trezza. If you thought lots of Argentines were the only ones who had Italian names in South American football, and you're wrong, uh, went ahead very early on in the second half uh, with a goal from Luis Advincula, and then Nacional equalised with 15 minutes to go, uh, Juan Ignacio Ramirez. Over the course of 90 minutes... 90 more entertaining minutes than the first leg mm. is the kindest way I can put it uh, I thought that the draw was about right Boca were kind of wasteful with their finishing they were yeah they should have had more shots on target than they did yes uh, far more entertaining than I think anyone was expecting once Boca yeah. went 1-0 up and of course it was Edinson Cavani's debut and he missed ah uh, how little yeah. which would have killed the game off I think that was at uh, 2-1 up right and it would have made it 3-1 yeah oh Poor Edison. Mm-hmm. But he looked good. He did look very good. Like Just what Cavani gives to you, I think, every single time he plays. Never stops running. So smart. Always in the right position. Work, links well, even with players he met four days ago. <laughs> but does have those moments in front of goal where you just want to murder him. Indeed. Like uh, I say, Sam knows well, I'm sure. Like I said, well, just like Rondon. Right I don't know. Yeah, he possibly didn't have that much chance to miss too many murder-worthy chances. Yeah. Plus, I mean, he scored a lot of goals as well. Between He'll score a lot of goals, but he will for, also miss For the period that the, that the three of them were all playing in Europe together, mm. the only two players who outscored Cavani in European leagues were Messi and Ronaldo. Mm. Um, between him making his Palermo debut and Ronaldo getting sacked by Man United, I guess, that, mm. that, during that time spell. Um, yeah, he was the third top scorer in oh in, in big five European yeah. leagues. So I guess maybe there's somebody playing in the Czech Republic or somewhere who was banging in a hundred a year. But, <laughs> you know, they, they don't count because nah. we're snobbish. Um, <clears throat> in the shootout, however, it was not Cavani who came to the rescue. It was Sergio Romero who converted himself into a hero again, again. in the eyes of Boca fans this time by saving two, two. of Nacional's um, penalties. Four. In my head, I am struggling to remember them, but I seem to remember one of them was a good save and one of them was just quite a poorly taken penalty. But I might that be sounds right. I, I yes, 
Um, Paul Fernandez missed one for Boca, but it turned out to not matter. And Valentin Barcos scored the winner. Well done, Boca. Mm-hmm. But of course, the match that we're going to spend the most time on. First of all, because it actually produced a winner inside 90 minutes, if you can imagine such a thing. Uh, <laughs> and and Marco, secondly, Marco will probably travel by plane, not ship, to Europe because he's being linked with Manchester City. Is he? Yes. Brighton and City are uh, Brighton in the hunt for him, yeah. Okay. And with the relatively low release clause. Hmm. Mm. Apparently because he wanted to leave, or his manager wanted for him, him to leave, because it's 10 million euro, which is quite quite low for a player. Yeah, I mean, I guess defender, but then he can play on the wing Yeah, but well, he's... So, yeah. All, of the, all of these Boca kids or stars uh, have a relatively low release clause, except for Ezequiel Fernandez, or, or Ezequiel Fernandez is, is the name? Eki Fernandez, the midfielder yeah. who's 20 or 25. Uh-huh. Um, but moving on to the Celine bra the following mm. night, uh, if you're wondering what that noise is, by the way, Andres' chair is yeah. quite squeaky, mm. so it's, it's, nobody's being flatulent or anything, but I just I thought I'd better just explain that, because it's probably quite confusing if you're listening. Um, in the Celine draw the following night, the most dramatic of all the matches, I think, it was not the most tightly poised by any means, but <laughs> we said it two weeks ago, Racing had given themselves a chance with that late rally, and then appeared to... Well, they did throw half of that chance away uh, with the ridiculous falling asleep late on in the first leg and conceding a fourth goal after they clawed back to 3-2 down. But they managed to get through it, down, And I believe that you were there. I was indeed, yeah. So was the atmosphere well, all right? Quite festive, yeah. yeah. Quite um, uh, quite vociferous. Uh, it was, yeah, incredible. One of those famous continental nights of glory. Uh, left here, I think, about half five. Got back home at two o'clock in the morning. Uh, not even doing anything after the game, just because there were so many people in and around the stadium. It was just impossible to move, basically. Uh, I've seen Avashnela like that for a Racing game very, very few times, just by sheer volume of people in the stadium. Mm. Um, no, amazing. And, of course, the team did its part as well, went up. Early uh, via Roger Martinez header. What a difference he's made in that one and a quarter games he had between signing and now getting injured in that game, which means he's <laughs> going to miss the Boca match. Fuck's sake. Um, just really changed the whole team around. Just looked a lot more focused, a lot more uh, kind of concentrated, I guess, in in attack. Uh, stadium erupted, basically fell to pieces with. All of the three goals. Um, it was just thrashing, to be honest. You felt like if Racing that night would have had needed six, they could have just gone out and got six because Nacional, admittedly, just were pathetic. Um, put up so little resistance. Yeah, it was like um, watching a completely different team from the first leg. Literally yeah. throwing the one away. Once yeah, that, yeah. Once that first goal went in though was there like a feeling around everyone that like this is on here we've got this like or was it still a I, bit... mean, I think that ramped up the tension a little bit because at the start you know it was you, all, we're all here behind the team win or lose doesn't matter and then once that goal went in early after Racing had a couple of decent chances already you thought oh I can actually do this mm. um, and then again straight after half time they had that double punch through 
Agustino Ojeda, the, um, the teenager, and, and then an angle from Atlético Nacional. Juan Felipe Aguirre. Yes, that's him. What an, what an appearance. And it it was just incredible. What an appearance that uh, Ojeda. It's, uh... Yeah, it was useful because Racing, you know, having sold off half their team between the Liga Profesional and the Copa de la Liga and having the other half injured or unavailable. They kind of needed these kids, these children, to step up and fill gaps, and they've done it really well. Ojeda's been the brightest by far, just a winger who's not afraid of anyone, just wants to have the ball, go at his marker, uh, scored a couple of goals already, had a lot of chances, gets into good positions. Uh, really promising, and hopefully we can enjoy the three weeks or so before Brighton signing. Uh, once Racing were like in front on aggregate, once it was like three 0 and you still had half an hour to go, did the kind of the atmosphere just kind of turn into oh we got to hold on then, or was it just all right from there? It was plain sailing. It's never plain sailing with Racing. <laughs> never ever. Um, that match could have been, as I say, six 0 up, and you still be kind of biting your nails and going ooh every time Nacional came anywhere near the penalty area, which. I think if I watch it again, I'd see that there was very little danger, but uh, I was literally right behind the goal in the middle of the, the barra, uh, about 10 steps up in the, in the home terraces behind the goal, uh, and kind of just watching them very slowly kind of start to come at Racing a bit. You can't help but be nervous because you know any kind of laps which Racing have shown them more than capable of doing uh, completely changes the game so you're nervous you're holding on but I think objectively there probably wasn't a huge amount of danger No I guess the biggest danger was that Nacional maybe nicked one more and took it to penalty Yeah that's what I'm saying that's what you've always got but then again you know from the context of the tie you know I was saying before the game if this goes to penalties I'll be fucking delighted um, it'd be a right result for yeah, Racing I, I fancy Racing supporters uh, Saying when they score the third goal, well, this is it, end the game. Mm. <laughs> what have been useful, yeah. But, in, in, nah, fantastic stuff. My contribution to the analysis is going to be that I've only just noticed, I'm ashamed for not noticing this when it happened, uh, that uh, one of the substitutions that Atletico Nacional made was Jean Duque, mm-hmm. that's Duque Duke, uh, was replaced by Juan Torres. So John replaced by Quatton and Duke replaced by Tower. Oh, Duke yes. in a tower oh, kind of works a little bit. Excellent. Yeah. Purity of wordplay. Medieval history and stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, no, quite nice. Um, anyway, I promised you a preview. We've been going for slightly longer than we were planning to, but we're going to press on for five more minutes because mm. on the 23rd of August, which is next, next Wednesday. Wednesday. Yes, it is. Um, i.e. before we record next week probably uh, well I think I've said that now so yeah it's definitely going to be before we record next week isn't it um, Boca are playing Racing in the first leg of the quarter final mm. so as Dan pointed out to me earlier this is why we changed our plans to just record nothing but extras today uh, because River and Argentinos are out of the Libertadores already those are the last two teams left in the Libertadores and as a result this is going to be the biggest pair of matches involved, the biggest all Argentine tie um, in club football this year. Yes, without that. You know, they, they can't reach the semi, they can't both reach the semis or the final. Obviously, one of them will reach the semis at least. Um, so, Boca versus Racing. 
Dan. Who's it going to be? Feeling optimistic? Bullish? Yeah, quietly confident. Um, I feel like Racing have been strong against Boca uh, for a good while now. Very rarely uh, let them get the better of them. At least, uh, especially in the Bombonera as well. Had a couple of wins, a couple, couple of decent results in recent years. Um, they will have the benefit of two new players for the quarter-final squad in Agostino Mendra, playing for it against his old club, or at least being in the squad, and Juan Ferrequintero, who was finally unveiled today as, a, as an official Racing Oh, it's happened. It's happened, yes. Good, even if he ends up getting injured 20 minutes into his debut. Yeah, I would be more than happy if the only contribution he makes is for a free kick 30 yards away from the Boca penalty area um, it's, it's worth it five minute, with five minutes to go. It's worth it for the psychology of having him in the team against Boca. Oh, Christ, yeah. I mean, you've got to get him on at some point. If not in the first match, then in the return, uh, he has to see some sort of action. Mm-hmm. Um, Does a fully no. like integrated Cavani scare you, though? It depends which Racing defence turns up. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, I think Racing won't be silly enough to repeat the same mistakes in Medellin and go with this four-man defence instead of a three-slash-five-man, which has been working a lot better. Uh, I think they're going to be very wary of, uh, of Cavani, what he can do when you give him space and when yeah, you let him get his... Teammates into the action, um, but I think Racing too would be a little bit buoyed by by what they saw from Nacional, who weren't a great team either. They got a bocker and and had a couple of chances. Um, so no, a very open game. Uh, I think it's going to be more similar to the Boca Nacional tie than than what we just saw from Racing Atlético in that. First leg's going to be very, very tight. Second leg will very be very few goals, right? Yes. And then the second leg, uh, it's just going to all bets are off, really. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Nervous, of course, but. I guess I it does depend like which Boca show up, doesn't it, as well? Uh, which Boca and which Racing, yeah, because yeah. it's two teams who have been wildly unpredictable and gone from really shit to okay, uh, kind of. From game to game across 2023. Yeah. And I was going to say that continental Boca are a little bit scarier than domestic Boca, but that's offset to a degree by the fact they have quite a, an easy group. Yeah, and plus um, Racing's continental form, that game in Medellin side has been fantastic, yeah. absolutely fantastic. Um, I think a draw in the Bombonera is well within reach for Racing, and that would definitely hand them the advantage going into the second leg because then you kind of oblige Boca to come out and play. That is going to be the key. Racing need to get Boca to come out and play and that's when I think they can they can be hurt. For the purpose of people uh, listening as well, me and Dan were just discussing outside whether he will go to the second leg or not. Um, at first I was trying to convince him but then he was saying that he has to work very early the next day. <laughs> And I said, screw it, still go anyway. And then I re- remembered that it's going to be so packed that I wouldn't want to risk death by going. So I'm not bothered by that. It's just, yeah, I have to get up at six o'clock in the morning to work. And I know I'm not getting home from that game until at least three in the morning. I'm going to see how, how crazy I feel. Uh, 
um, on what the situation is, but I'm most likely will end up going into it unless something I'm unforeseen comes up. Just looking at the recent head to head, there have been a lot of draws. Always a lot of draws um, in Athletes, yeah. That, uh, yeah, so Sofa scores giving me the most recent 20 matches. That's a decent oh. sample size, isn't it? And yeah. of those, we've had four draws, but all of them were. The reason why I say a lot is they were four in a row and they were all nil nil. Uh, in the Copa de la Liga 2021, the Liga Profesional 2021, the Copa de la Liga 2022 and the Liga Profesional 2022. Um, four consecutive nil-nils. Of course, after that, we had the Trofeo de Campeones at the end of last year, which was that match where Boca had six players sent off in stoppage time and Racing won 2-1. How did the match this year end? I think Boca won it. And Racing playing that match without the being Super, a champion. There was the Supercopa Internacional, which was played in somewhere in the Middle East. Quata, Dubai? Uh, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi, uh, which Racing won 2-1. And the lead match this season, which is the one that done. And the Trofeo de Campeones, which also ended 2 1. To Racing? Yes. There were yes. two cups. That was, that was the one I mentioned. That was the end of last year. Oh, sorry, sorry. Mark out all the players yes. off it. So. Apologies. Um, and then the lead match this year was in the Bombonera, and it was won 3 1 by Boca. Mm. Goals from Martin Pachero, be careful how you say that last name, Paul Fernandez, and Miguel Merentiel. Um, Merentiel making it 3-1 in the 90th minute after Nicolas Reniero had pulled one mm. back for Racing. Yeah, that was close to the kind of nadir of Racing's really, really terrible run in this, in this league. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Runs, Absolutely. It? So it's going to be interesting to see now that he's had that time to, to rejig. Because against Nacional, was it a back four or a back three in the second leg? Back four, but it didn't really matter because he had to win anyway. Yeah, and sure, yeah, Atletico yeah, weren't going to attack. Yeah. So. But he switched to the back four, the back three slash five, once oh, the Soga right. went in. Yeah. And looks solid. Yeah. Mm. One, one last thing to like mention on this game. Yeah. Is this uh, Gao's audition for the Boca job? What's your mouth That puts me in a horrible dilemma. <laughs> He's going to go to Boca at some point. I have to accept it. And I'd rather he did that beating them and win the Copa Libertadores. Uh, yeah, I think any any manager coach linked to Boca who wins a Libertadores is going to happen knocking down the door basically to, to bring the glory guys back so yeah absolutely uh, that's it that's our episode for this week thank you very much indeed for listening as I explained at the start this is always going to be a truncated episode anyway because we're now going to sit around and record a few hand of pod extras so that while I'm away in Europe, our Patreon supporters still get some lovely, regular, juicy content in their ears uh, for those two months. If you want some of that, then get over to patreon.com slash handofpod and sign up. Um, if you don't, then we will be talking to you again next week on the main podcast with a preview of the Copa de la Liga, even though it has now kicked off. And in fact, the first goal has been scored because Belgrano lead Estudiantes 1-0. It was a penalty. Yes, I saw it, yeah, um, in the 43rd minute of the first half. Um, I'm not going to give you the result of that at full time of the podcast because there are going to be so many files saved to this point. And there's no preview. It's going to get very confusing if I do. We're going to preview the competition as a whole next week mm -hmm. and we'll review the first round and, and then just sort of discuss what we think is going to happen in relegation and all that. That's the, that's yes. the main preview thing, I think, really. Um, and then once I'm away... 
we'll be recording much less regularly over Skype than that, and uh, we'll see until November when I'm back. But for now, thank you very much indeed for listening, and goodbye from English Town. Goodbye. Chris. Goodbye. And Andres. Goodbye. Oh, and me. Thank you, and goodbye. Goodbye.